The Secrets of Technology is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Technology. Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Technology, where we discuss the technology news that's important to you from a uniquely Catholic point of view. And joining me today on the panel are Father Joseph Sund. Hey, Father. Good to be with you. And Victor Lambs. Hey, Victor. Hi, Dom. Uh, Before we get started, I want to tell you about another show on the StarQuest Network you are sure to enjoy called The Secrets of Middle Earth. You can find that wherever fine podcasts are found or at sqpn.com slash Middle Earth. And I want to start with a little bit of listener feedback from our recent episode 200, where we talked about uh, why are TV so cheap, but also about ChatGPT, the AI of the moment. And uh, this uh, comment came in from Rashad on YouTube, who wrote, I use Blender a lot and needed a script to automate a 30 second array of button clicks and tab switches in the program for a very repetitive task. So I went to ChatGPT, asked it in pretty plain language to write me a script that would center my 2D cursor with a button click. First try, the script was unusable, and Blender popped up an error. So I copied the error straight from the Blender console into ChatGPT, and it said, oh, in Blender 2.93, the function referring to this 2D cursor had its name changed. I'm updating the script now. And it worked perfectly. So now I have a 30 times time saving from a script that took the AI Three minutes to write with the barest of direction. My question is, what's going to happen when we set it to improving its own code based on what we wanted to accomplish? So uh, this kind of you know stems from our discussion where we talked about you know are is the are these AI chatbots something to be feared, something to be welcomed? Is it is it a problem? Should you know what what how should we approach these things? And uh, I remember Thomas was saying at the time he uses it a lot in his work and. Other people have you know, said, oh, it, you know, it opens up a can of worms and, you know, bad things. So um, Rashad here is, you know, talking about a way that he used it to save him a lot of time. So, uh, you know, from my point of view in general, I think with the hard sciences and the more technical stuff, I think it's great. I think it can be more problematic and, you know, some more care needs to be taken with the soft sciences and the humanities. But what do you all think? I think it's great personally. I mean, if it can if it can help you someone who doesn't know how to code, if it can help you create something that saves time. Um another use for it is as uh my wife has a has an art business and has to come up with product descriptions and you know that can be a fairly repetitive task as well to try and, and to come up with, you know, prosaic language and for something like that, um ChatGPT is proven to be very uh helpful, you know, just tell it what you're describe your product and it comes up with some marketing speak. So, you know, you can plug into your shop. So it's, 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 there's a lot of really cool, you know, day-to-day uses for it. Um, not, not to say that there might not be a downside at some point, but to help, you know, artists who aren't good at marketing or, you know, creative people who aren't good at coding, you know, I think it's, 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 you know, being, uh, helping to make uh, more technology accessible. Yeah. Um, it kind of reminds me the um, Deacon Greg Kandra writes uh, at the blog the Deacon's Bench, and he posted recently about how someone had it write a homily on a recent <laughs> Sunday yeah. uh, gospel, 
And, you know, it was functional. It was fine. It was kind of blah. I mean, it was sort of, it did the classic essay, you know, here's my thesis statement. Here is like where I tell you what I'm going to say. I have three points and three paragraphs. I mean, it was, it was dry, you know, it wasn't like inspired or, or whatever, but it was sort of a, if you're, if you're looking for a summation, give me a summation of this Sunday's gospel readings. That would, that's not a bad way to get a summation. Um, but I wouldn't want a, a priest to, or a deacon to get up there and give me a homily that came out of ChatGPT. As long as it's not a heterodox, I mean, I mean, it, it's probably better than than some of the homilies we've, uh, we've heard. Is is there a heresy sensor sensor on ChatGPT? <laughs> yeah, exactly. um, I reply to it, anathema sit. Oh, I am sorry. <laughs> Do we have to get an, uh, an imprimatur for just yeah. for chat chat AIs? Oh man, so. I think um, on this, on the programming side of it, um, I see the benefit, right? Um, especially when it comes to writing scripts um, and automating things, um, right? Back in the day, we had the macros when we were using Lotus or Excel, right? And so all those things that can make our life simpler and quicker, um, the fact that those easy coding things can be done. Um, my problem with it is where is it getting the source of that from? Um, and are these people who have consented for their code to be used? Now, if they posted it on GitHub, um, maybe they consented in a way. But when GitHub was started and when open source was happening with this, did they believe that it be being used in this way? Um, yeah, and it, Although, it's yeah. kind of a gray area there. Um, yeah. so I like oh. it. I, you know, <laughs> I'm tempted, I'm tempted with some of the, um, things that I do to see how well automated I can, um, pull things from different websites and all of that. If chat GPT could do that, great. Um, but also you hope that the people making these products um, have a conscience, right? With, with much, with much power becomes, comes much responsibility, right? Peter Parker. So we, you know, as, as something we've talked about often, probably every episode of this podcast, that's a, that's a statement that applies across the tech industry. (laughs) You have to, you have to assume that the people designing our cities and our roadways and our refrigerators and our buildings have consciences too and consciences too, and don't Mm -hmm. want, you know, to hurt anybody. It's just part of the social contract. When you, when you wake up in the morning, you assume that, you know, (laughs) the world isn't trying to kill you. And and hopefully that's, that's true of a AI chatbots as well. So uh, I also wanted to follow up from last time we had a discussion. Let me get, I actually didn't pull it up before uh, we got together, but I wanted to pull up and, and mention exactly. So last time I had my tech, my tale of tech woe, where someone tried to steal my Apple ID out from under me and my Apple pay um, through some social engineering via phone call. If you want to hear the whole story, you can go back to uh, last episode and hear it. You forgot the sound. Oh, the, uh, my sound of the um, <laughs> <yes>. <laughs> <laughs> the Tech So I get a follow. I have a little follow up, not specifically to my circumstance, but to something that I saw Wall Street Journal 
Um, Joanna Stearns, their tech writer for the Wall Street Journal, and she had a column, but also a YouTube video, which I'll link in the show notes, where it's the I- Apple iPhone passcode problem. And it's basically, you know, thieves can ruin your digital life in minutes. And it revolves around this idea that you know, when someone gets into our phones, our phones often have the, are the crown jewel. They connect to nearly everything important in our, in our lives, our banks, our, you know, our contacts, our, our photos, our, you know, important uh, documents, all that sort of stuff. And so if they can get a hold of our phone into our phone, they've, they've got it all. And it talks about how there's this been rash of people having their phones stolen and, one of two things is happening. Either they're manually entering their passcode into their phone and someone is shoulder surfing and seeing them do it, sort of like, you know, shoulder surfing at the ATM to get your pin, or uh, they are stealing the phone after someone's unlocked it and run run away with it. And the key problem in this is you don't need the phone's passcode or the old p- password in order to change someone's Apple ID password once you've got the phone unlocked. So hmm. what what I mean, so, and once you've changed the password, you've now isolated that person out of their Apple ID and you now have, have take your time to go through this phone and steal everything and lock you out of your life, you know, change your, your email account passwords, all this sort of stuff. And this is a problem that Apple has to fix. This is a, this is a big hole because if you go into, um, you know, on your, if you have an iPhone, you go into your, you know, tap on you in the settings, tap on your name, go to password and security. And let's see, it's going to pop up. I'm taking, taking this time on my phone. You get change password. All it asks for is the new password. It doesn't ask for your old password. That's, That's a problem. Yeah. yeah it seems yeah. like an easy fix too. Yes. They need to ask for the old password. That's the first, that's the first thing that they need to do. Uh, so what, there are three recommendations they they re- they recommend based on this video because there's a whole co- other set of things that are going on as well. I won't get into all of it, but three recommendations that I want to throw out there from her. Um, use a better iPhone passcode. Don't use the six-digit numerical or four-digit, God forbid, the four-digit numerical. Uh, use a phrase that's got, you know, at least a phrase. So an alphanumeric code, which because it's can be as long as you want, the the, they can't guess how many permutations it will take to break it, right? Mm-hmm. So um, use a phrase with numbers and, you know, numbers and letters, that sort of thing. Um, and when you're in public, use Touch ID and Face ID as much as possible. In, and if you can't use Touch ID and Face ID, treat your passcode like an ATM pin. Hold it close to your body, type it in case someone is looking, you know, the whole nine yards. You, you got to be... And then hold your phone close. Don't sit near the door to the subway with your thousand dollar phone hanging out in your hand yeah. so someone can ru- grab it and run out the door. OK. All right. So that's well, one. Uh, when I was, uh, you know, growing up in the in the 90s, we had wallets, right? And they had chains that you could chain your wallet to your belt <laughs> or something. So maybe someone should come up with a phone case that you can chain to your belt like those old uh, wallets we used to. <laughs> That is not a bad idea. My brother's a truck driver and he's always had a chain drive wallet. Yeah. So yeah, that's not a bad idea necessarily. Uh, number two was don't use iCloud keychain for passwords for your financial apps, which means because iCloud keychain is the built-in password manager to Safari. 
And again, once you've got once you've got access to the Apple ID, you've got the iCloud keychain. Use the third party password manager, you know, uh, not LastPass, but one of the others. <laughs> <laughs> and then I know, I know some people are still they're still feel safe with LastPass. That's fine. Uh, and then three. that This was the thing that I kind of like was bizarre to me, but don't keep photos in your photo library of your driver's license, your passport, tax forms, anything that has your social security number. Don't keep that there. Keep it in a password manager. Those are locked and use a different password for your password manager. That's that maybe maybe should be uh, uh, said is use a different one. So, uh, so those are the three key things. And if you do those three, those things, you're, you're not going to be, as vulnerable as these people were. I mean, this one lady had $10,000 stolen from her bank account wow. within hours of the, you know, yeah. within, probably within an hour, I think of them getting the phone. Yeah. Someone hacked my GameStop account recently and got $16 in reward points. I was so <laughs> mad. <laughs> Boy, how much stuff on clearance were they able to buy with that? I know. <laughs> it got like 16 games from the dollar bin, man. Yeah. <laughs> So, I mean, like I, like I said last time, someone had my social security number, my my address, my phone number, obviously, because they'd called me and uh, I went and I locked all my credit and, you know, just and, and refused to give up my password to my my phone, my Apple ID, because I'm not I was born at night, but not last night. Yeah. So, so the one thing for the defense of Apple, maybe to stand up for him a little bit that I could see why they allow this to happen is. I've really forgotten my passcode. Right. And so they're trying to use your access to your phone as a security blanket um, for losing your passcode. Right. Um, But there needs to be another thing. Maybe it's, I mean, this would be requiring you to have another Apple product, but Apple's never been shy to that. Maybe there's a proximity that you need to be wearing an Apple watch to reset your passcode in that from your phone or something. Um, of that that gives an extra security layer. Well, they were saying on uh, MacBreak, they were talking about the same thing, MacBreak Weekly, the podcast. They were saying maybe there should be a proximity sensor with if you have an Apple Watch. If the if the if the phone gets too far from your Apple Watch, it locks. You know, so that even if you like you get up and walk away from your phone, you don't you don't leave it unlocked. It's it locks itself. And there is apps like that I can install on a Mac that can do the same thing. They use mm-hmm. the Bluetooth proximity um, and you can walk away and it will lock your Mac. It's it. They don't work great because they're third party. So also back in the back in the 90s, we had those we had those RSA tokens on our keychain, right? They had the little numbers on it that you had to punch in. Oh, yeah. So, so maybe see all of our answers are, are back in the 90s. We had things figured out. <laughs> I still have banks that use those. Oh, oh wow. wow. Yeah, that's, that's so, wild. Um, but yeah, you could um, they Windows has that built into the Windows. Hello, that you can hook a Bluetooth device up and once it lose loses Bluetooth connectivity to that Uh device, then it will automatically lock your computer. Um, I ended up turning it off because it was as annoying as could be. Um, (laughs) You get up and go get a cup of coffee and come back and, you you know, it's locked every time. You'll walk across the room. It it makes sense if you were to work in a bigger cubicle office building that when you go away. Right. You really are away. And there are high security, you know, environments, you know, in office environments where you have to have a key that, you know, a smart card and you take your smart card with you every time you get it from the desk and you 
put it back in when you come back and that sort of thing. So I, I get that. In fact, the Apple Macs have smart card capabilities built into the OS. But, you know, so what do we do for the phone? That's the question. So, yeah, they, they, they got to do some thinking about this because they we have to balance the convenience and the security. And that's that's a big thing. We could bring back the SIM card, find a new use for it. <laughs> but well, it's still, you know, the SIM card's in the phone, but when it gets stolen, but yeah. Um, yeah, well, we'll, we'll see. I'll, hopefully I'd, I'd like to see what Apple has to say about this as the time goes on. That'll be interesting mm-hmm. to see. So let's get to our uh, main topic for t- this time. And we're talking about tech for gardening. Hey, it's just about nearly almost springtime in <laughs> North America. Depending on where you are, I hear my friends down like, like in the south, you know, talking about, oh, I'm sitting on the porch drinking diced tea. It's 80 degrees out. And I'm like, yeah, I know it's 30 degrees here. But hope hope is uh, is what keeps me going here in the middle of March of 2023. And so I want to look forward to uh, nice weather in spring. And I like to do some gardening. I don't know about you guys, but I like to have a vegetable garden in my yard and, you know, and plant some flowers and that sort of stuff in. I'm also a geek, so I'm always looking for ways to introduce technology to these to these activities. And so we talked about a little bit, you know, maybe we should talk about some tech for gardening. And uh, I came up with a few different categories. So I want to talk a little about apps, a little bit about some indoor gardening, and maybe some gadgets that, you know, work for maybe even indoor or outdoor sort of stuff. Um, and so I want to start with talking about some apps to help you identify what you're seeing. So apps that help you identify plants or insects or other stuff like that. And there's a couple of different pretty good ones out there. The one I have uh, on my phone is called Seek by iNaturalist. And it, they, it's all of these, I think, are both Google and, uh, and um, Apple. So you can get it for both. And uh, Seek works uh, they work in conjunction with the National Geographic and some others and so they have a pretty good database of things to 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 look up and basically it works by you you open the app you take a picture of whatever you know, you know a butterfly or a flower or a leaf or whatever and it and it tries to help you identify what it is and then tell you something about it um you now seek is more about learning in the environment so it, it's not specifically for gardening but it's a, it's pretty nice and pretty useful for especially like I like it when, when I'm out with the kids. We go on a hike. We're in the in the woods. You know what kind of plant is this? And you know learning some more about that sort of stuff. But it can be really helpful. You know when you're just trying to like, hey, what is this growing in this garden? And oh, I, I like that flower that my neighbor has. What kind of flower is it? And who wants to talk to your neighbors? So like you know they, you want to take you want to use a tech to avoid talking to people. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, so. So Seek by uh, Naturalist is one. Another one that I like to use is also called is uh, Leaf Snap. And that's another one that helps you identify plants. But it's more geared toward helping you learn how to care for them. So mm. um, if you have a lot of different plants, you know, like if you get a bunch of house plants, or if someone gives you a house plant, um, how do I keep it healthy? You know, and so you take a picture of it and it gives you information. And it can also um, identify... Um, I'm pretty sure Leaf Snap does this. We identify problems, like if it looks sickly, and I think that was Leaf Snap. I'm not positive. I think it was one of these um, that that could do that. Could identify a plant that's not looking great. Um, and then finally, in this category, is also um, built. I don't know if Android has this, but in the iPhone, um, if you just take a picture with your phone, 
in the, we've talked about this before, but if you go into the photos app, you can actually ask it to identify what it's looking at, the plant or an animal usually. Uh, and it can give you some information, not a lot of information, but it can at least identify. So uh, do, do you know if Android can do that? Um, I don't. I, I, let me, uh, I don't know if I have any photos of, of, of plants on my phone, but I'll definitely check yeah. that out. Um, or even animals. Yeah. Yeah, animals. I, I mind kids uh, for sure. Um, <laughs> no, this is this is very. Uh, yeah, these I've, I've played around with some of these apps before. I don't know if it's to the point where I would like chow down on something in the in the wild just because oh, yeah. the app said it was okay. No, they probably don't have do disclaimers that. about like like <laughs> like don't go eating mushrooms, which you should never do unless you really know what you're doing. Oh, but yes, that's another trust that you're putting in the maker of the app that they have a conscience and they're not trying to kill you. <laughs> what is it? What was the thing about like you can eat any mushroom? It's just whether you will live to have another meal. That's the question. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, the, yeah, you can actually. I have, I have a picture of a of a a fern we have inside of our house and you can like look it up and it starts to show other pictures that look kind of like it and oh cool and stuff like yeah. that i don't know how, how useful this is but looks like it's yes. pulling looks like it's pulling from pinterest too so i don't so know Don, how, how do you do that on the iphone so say i take a picture of the plant in my office that's dying here behind me yeah. um how would i identify the plant with the photos app in my iphone what what's so, the steps so you take a photo and then you pull it up in um, in the photos app. And then when you see it there, you'll just scroll up and that's when it shows you metadata and it's, it'll be, you'll see the photo. Uh, in fact, there may even be an icon on top of the plant in the photo. And you see uh, under the photos, you add a caption. This says look up. And if it's a plant, it will say plant. And you tap that link. And it will give you basically a Google search. Um, it's it gives me a Siri knowledge. Oh, it says uh, so. My wife went for a walk today. She took a picture, and it's a snow crocus. And it will tell you, you know. And then you can go to Wikipedia to get more information or see similar web images to make sure it's what you think it is. So I mean, it's for the in the in the built-in stuff in the phone. It's not a ton of information, but it's yeah. it's enough to identify things, and that's pretty fun. Yeah, mine uses, because it's a Samsung phone, uses Samsung Bixby Vision, and it has four categories like text, translate, discover, and then the fourth category is wine. <laughs> so it's to identify wine. So one, nice. one quarter of all Bixby Vision searches are apparently uh, to determine <laughs> what kind of wine you're drinking. Which you, nice. you wouldn't look at the label, I guess, uh, on the bottle, maybe, but... It would yeah. tell you more about it, I guess. That's yeah. really cool. I took a picture of that plant behind me, which is called a Petra, and I knew that's uh -huh. what it was. And it immediately told yeah. me it and then gave me the scientific name for it and everything. Which Yeah. So it's a lot of fun. I mean, it's like having a field guide with you at all times in your phone. And the, and the apps will do even more. So another one that's really kind of fun to use with a garden is, is you want to make sure you're, you know, if you're going to place a garden in your yard, you want to make sure it's going to get plenty of sun throughout the growing season. And so there's a couple of different apps I'll recommend. One is called sun seeker and the other one's called sun surveyor. And what they do is they will show you, you know, from the location where you are and they use your camera, it shows you how much sun, where the sun will be at any given time on any given day in that location. And so you can look and see, okay, how is the sun here, say, in July when I'm trying to get my tomatoes to ripen? You know, how is the sun here 
in early, you know, spring when I'm growing my early season, you know, uh, leafy greens and radishes or whatever, you know, that sort of thing. And so it suns, especially if you have a lot of trees and you know, houses around and that sort of stuff, this could really help you figure out where to place your plants and where to place your garden overall uh, when you're planting. And uh, so it's really neat. My brother uses these apps. He not for um, plants. He he is a contractor with the um, Massachusetts uh, Transit Authority. They're setting up these uh, kiosks uh, at all their bus stations that are solar powered. And so he's going around the city and he's got to make sure this spot gets enough sunlight to power the solar panels that this kiosk is going to need. Uh, so he uses it for that sort of thing. And they also use it for photography to give you, you know, golden hour and what kind of light are you going to have and that sort of stuff. So um, there's two different apps you can choose from that I've got here. There are others out there as well, but I like these ones. Question on that one. Um, I know a few months back we had a friend who got on podcast with us about farm tech and farming. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, this is something, an app like that, that would be integrated um, with an irrigation system or something. Um, there could be some use to that of not like where do you need to have it, but when does watering need to be happening based on sun exposure um, and stuff like that would be a right. good use of similar technology, I would say. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, Matthew uh, Clark was on with us yep. and he's a farmer. And, you know, it, it. I bet that there are farmer level, ag level uh, things to measure. Um, in fact, we'll talk a little bit in a, in a few minutes about some stuff to measure soil moisture, but also to measure rainfall and uh, cloud cover and, and probably sun, the sun exposure that could probably work all together to help you figure this, you know, does it need watering today? Yeah, I sat and one of my parishioners had his phone there um, at a church meeting we had, and he was, this was still during the crop season, and he changed the direction of his pivots um, from his phone, <laughs> and it was, I was just fascinated <laughs> how this all could be done. The irrigation pivots, that's like they're basically yeah. giant water sprinklers. Yeah, that is fascinating. Uh, the YouTube channel Smarter Every Day had a great video a little while ago about those irrigation pivots uh, that he was he went and saw someone setting them up and how they work and stuff. So, yeah, it's, those are really cool. Yeah, yeah. it's not far from me um, in Lindsay, Nebraska, is one of the largest producers of irrigation units in the world. So um, oh, we, wow. lo we love our pivots out here. <laughs> so anyway, those two apps I was talking about, they're called Sun Seeker and Sun Surveyor. And then the last app I'd like to talk about is called Sea to Spoon. And th this one, I was looking at it and it's almost like a social network for gardeners. Um, and it it's free to start. There is a premium level where you get more things as a lot of these things are. Um, but it lets you, you know, you tell it, these are the plants I'm growing. It'll give you all kinds of growing information, how to treat them, how to, you know, what, what kind of pests you're going to be aware of. It'll give you information about your specific growing zone. You know, the, you, the, um, like the United States is divided into certain growing zones. If, if you're a gardener, you know about growing zones, which is based on 
um, climate and uh, temperatures and sunlight and that sort of stuff. Um, they the app in the paid level will also help you um, plan your planting. So this is when you should plant this. This is when you should plant that. Uh, they, they have an AI now that can uh, you can ask it questions and it will uh, give you information back, you know, try to uh, formulate questions based on its database of knowledge. Uh, so I'm not, I don't know how well it works, but, uh, and then there's a community aspect to it. And there's, they make the people who make the app, they make videos on a regular basis that are in the app and you can communicate with other people. And I, I gather it's a family behind it, like this couple with five kids who they got into gardening a few years ago and he's a programmer and created an app. Their name is actually Spoonamore. Right. So, so they, the app is yeah, the app is called from seed to spoon, and so I bet it's a pun in their name. Yeah. I love puns. Yeah. <laughs> so, that looks that looks cool. We'll check that out. Yeah, yeah. I I really I I think it could be very helpful, especially if you're just getting started, if you're getting into it. And you know, I know a lot of people started getting into gardening with the pandemic because you know what else are you going to do? You're stuck at home all day, so you might as well garden. And uh, it, I, hopefully, people are keeping it up because I. I love gardening. I think it's great as a thing to do with my kids. They, they, I love the idea. I remember when we had our first garden and my kids were, you know, small running around the yard age. And I, I would grow uh, among other things, cherry tomatoes and they would just go over and, and snack on them, you know, out of the garden or they'd grab, they would grab green beans and eat them raw out of the garden. I can't get them to eat green beans that I've <laughs> lovingly cooked and prepared in my kitchen. But it's fresh off the vine, you know. So. I'll tell you, when you have them fresh, I hated tomatoes growing yep. up. Um, but I'm a city boy. I only got them out of the grocery <laughs> store. The oh, moment yeah. I had people who grew their own tomatoes, I realized why they're a fruit. Like <laughs> they are delicious. There is nothing like a fresh off the vine. <gasps> tomato or anything like any of this stuff cucumbers radishes all that stuff is so much better fresh off the vine especially when you've grown it with your own blood sweat and tears you know yes that, that sort of thing so um so those are the apps uh, i wanted to mention um i don't know if, if, if unless you guys have any others we can move on to talk a little bit about other kinds of stuff um i i wanted to talk a little bit about uh indoor gardening and i had for a little while an aero garden. And this is a little bit, it's basically, it's a hydroponic garden for your countertop. Um, uh, they, they are a little bit more sophisticated than they were when I was doing it. They have in, integrated lights, growing lights and stuff. And they always look so verdant in the they pictures. <laughs> Mine was never that verdant. <laughs> I think, I think everyone has an aero garden for a little while. <laughs> yes. And then it gets gunky and you have to keep buying the pods and, well, that's yeah. the thing is, is that you have to use the the pods that they sell to to do it. They, you know, you're not just buying seeds at the at the tractor supply. You you have to get you know their pods that oh. you know from AeroGarden. They're you know so it's almost like they're almost like uh, K cups for the Keurig, you know. Um, and there's there's and it, but I kind of regret not having it because even though it wasn't as bountiful as the pictures it was kind of nice to still be growing something. And frankly, I kind of wish I could grow uh, kitchen herbs 
if, if I had like a way to grow some thyme and some, uh, you know, uh, cilantro or basil or whatever on my countertop, I would kind of, I would like to do that. Uh, and this would be a fun way to do it. Everyone wishes they have more time. <laughs> and there's, and there's actually now, um, you can buy small, you know, three gallon or so fish tanks that have like a little hydroponics bay on the top as well. I had one of those going for a while. And, uh, you know, the the water pump for the fish tank passes the water over the plants as they're growing. So they're fertilized with the with the waste from the fish uh-huh. um, and then the, the plants uh, filter oh, the yeah. water. And so, yeah, they're 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 not more than fifty dollars. And if you don't mind, I mean, I don't know that we ever actually <laughs> ate any of the plants. We did have basil and uh-huh. you know, sprouts and stuff growing, growing in it, too. And it, I mean, they, they did take off. Um you know, so that's that's another thing that's kind of fun because then you see the yeah. little fish and then the plants growing on top. And because you have a grow light over it to help the plants grow, it's well lit and it's a cute little thing for, for kids to see, you know, oh, here's the circle right. of life and or at least the nitrogen cycle or something. But yeah, the the pods don't seem too outrageously expensive. Uh, they're yeah. most of them are below twenty dollars for like a pack of nine or ten is what I'm seeing here. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously it's going to be more than a seed packet, but it's it's a it's sort of a head start. You know, it's got everything you need in the pod to get it going. Um, I mean, when you get a big family and that's one of the reasons why we don't have it as much as this just doesn't produce enough to feed, you know, to feed a whole family of where I have five kids. You know what I mean? It's not going to feed seven of us out of an air garden or at least one that could fit on my counter. You need Um, seven of them. Right. But if you're to your couple, if you have, if you know, if it's just husband and wife or you're single, or you have uh, one kid or you want to have something the kids can have where they can grow things and just get, get have that experience. I mean, all of those reasons would be would be great. So, you know, Aero Garden, I think, is, is great. Now, you use the K-Cup analogy. Is there a way that I could create my own pods like I can with a K-Cup? of getting the nice little yeah i mean i think they sell just blank pods of growth medium or something yeah but you could probably make your own too i mean it's it's you know ikea sells growth medium and other places do too obviously it just and you just get a pod and put it in there's probably nothing too special about it right yeah what have you put on the on our list uh seed starters yeah so another way of um you know, when you're, it's about that time, at least uh, up here in, in Michigan, when you need to start thinking about starting your seeds, our growing season isn't super duper long. So you have to start your seeds inside yeah. and then move them outside when they're, when they're big enough and when they're not going to, you know, have a frost anymore. And, um, you know, typically people don't have a ton of space on their, you know, main living uh, area to do this. And so they wind up in the basement. And so for there, you head over to Home Depot or wherever and get some, get some grow lights. Um, but, you know, basements still this time of year can be kind of chilly. So uh, one thing we're trying this year is actually uh, electric. They're kind of like electric blankets for, for plants, but they go underneath your, your seed beds. And, um, you know, so it's a nice heated bed to help your, your plants grow. And uh, uh, so you have your grow lights, you have your heated bed, your little seedlings are sprouting out. So of course you want to, create a time lapse of them kind of like pushing out because it's always cool to see trays of little, you know, seeds pushing out. So um, for that, uh, I just used a wise camera uh, version three and in the, which are relatively inexpensive still, they're around 30, $30. They're uh, waterproof. So you can put them outside, you know, to watch the garden when you're done. 
with your seed sprouting, but there's a time lapse mode on them. So you can create your little time lapse over a week or so to watch your little seeds sprout out and, and start growing. And that's a lot of fun. Cool. That's the, uh, is that only the new WiseCam 3? Uh, uh, the, 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 the older ones may do it as well. I know that they're rebranding, I think, some of their original WiseCams. I don't, I don't know. They, yeah. they, they're, they're very good at marketing, um, you know, their, yeah. their cameras and stuff. But yeah, you, you, know, you just pick one up and you can use it you know, just moving around where you, where you want it to. And, um, but the three has like, you know, has the best, uh, you know, infrared color, you know, picture and stuff. So as, as you turn right. the lights on and off. I've got a couple older wise cams. So I was just thinking, uh, one of them, one of them might be able to do that. I'll have to check that out. Yeah. If you have an SD card in, uh, perhaps it would. Okay, cool. That's a great idea. I like that they keep an eye or even just any, you know, if you get them down in the basement, you at least keep, keep an eye on them anyway, yeah. one way or the other with the, with a cam. Yeah. So that's fun. Um, all right. So then the, so that those, that's sort of the indoor gardening sort of stuff in the seed propagation tech. Um, so let's talk a bit about some gadgets, you know, some, some cool, more, a little more expensive tech maybe. And one of the things areas that we talk about is, um, there are smart sprinklers or irrigation stuff, and you can get pretty tacky with this. The big brand name that I've known uh, in related to gardening or, I mean, uh, sprinklers is, uh, I don't know how to say it, whether it's Raccio or Raccio. Um, I'll put a link in the show notes, of course. And uh, they, it, that, it's a sprinkler controller that connects to your your smart home software. So, you know, whether it's a uh, home kit or them, I'm sure they're going to start doing the new matter standard and that sort of thing. Um, but the, 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 they can, they start from pretty basic to just like auto, just basic automation scheduling to keeping, keeping track of weather, you know, and so it, know, you know, it can tell it, it downloads the weather for your area from, you know, the Internet and knows it's raining. So don't turn the sprinklers on or that sort of thing. So um, you can go that route with sprinklers, you know, lawn sprinklers, you know, and you can use sprinklers in a garden. You know, there's, there's nothing such you can't do that. Um, but you could also go, you know, even a little bit lower tech, right? Yeah, I think probably the the, the low tech solution here, and this is something that. I was having a lot of fun with uh, last year is um, there's an earth minded uh, rain barrel kit. And, you know, we all we all want to, you know, where I guess you can, because I guess there's places in the country where you can't uh, capture your own rainwater. But right. um, this is a kit that lets you uh, it comes with the the whole, you know, the drill hole punch saws and stuff that you need. You just basically drill a hole into the side of your downspout, which if you have new downspouts, it kind of hurts a little bit. But um, <laughs> to do that too, but it comes with a nice little flap that you can put over it in the wintertime. And it, and it's a little insert that just slides in through the side of your, your downspout and has a little diverter, a little, um, you know, flexi hoses included in the kit and even a little valve and, um, everything you need to turn a 55 gallon, uh, you know, drum, uh, into a, a rain barrel. And, uh, that's really good for, for gardens. Um, plants seem to prefer, you know, rainwater versus, you know, municipal water that has, you know, chlorine and stuff in it. And, <laughs> yes. uh, and, and this, you know, plus, uh, you know, like a Berkey water filter setup or something gives you an extra source of water should you ever need it for, for drinking. So, um, you know, we got a couple of those just to, just to water the plants and it's, it's fun too. The kids can go over and, you know, get the rainwater out of the barrel and water the plants and stuff. 
And we also have it hooked up to, um, you know, there's no pressure because it's just the the force of gravity, you know, that pushes it out. But they they do make low pressure, um, basically like hose timers that you would put on your garden hose. And that and the little, um, you know, one of those weeper hoses that, you know, are just kind of a porous rubber material where the water just kind of flows out that and, you know, just run that through your if, if it's like flowers or whatever, um, you know, that'll give you uh, with a 55 gallon drum, depending on how you have it set up, you know, a few days of water until it rains again. So Nice, nice. I, w- I would um, be careful about drinking rainwater, except in this. Yeah dire circumstance because it is running off of your roof with, yeah. with all the tar and you know the shingles that's rain of stuff. So, rain water yeah. itself is usually safe to drink before it hits your roof and, and runs out <laughs> yeah. stuff. and then and then you do want to either filter it boil it you know whatever yeah. you would normally do shock it whatever you would normally do in a but again <laughs> this is just for dire extreme there yes. are stickers that you put on the rain barrel this is not for drinking and this is of course not for not for drinking right um in, unless uh yeah it does say that the, I was reading the description that it has it's smart enough that when the barrel gets full, it yeah. won't keep it'll divert the water back out the downspout. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. And it's just a little rubber like thing. But the way it's engineered and designed is is once, you know, the, the you know, it just shoves it back out the downspout. So nice. Yeah. It's it's pretty clever. Yeah. The, and like you said, there are some places that it's against the law to collect rainwater because. Yeah. Whatever, but uh, if but, we can legislate it, we're gonna legislate it. <laughs> that's right. So, uh, but where you can, it's it's you yeah. know it's a nice, it's free water basically. Comes out Come of the and sky. take it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm collecting my rain. You know, all the rainwater that normally falls on my yard. I'm just you know you can't say I can't take that anyway. Uh, being silly. So, uh, speaking of water and watering your plants, one thing you want to do is you want to is. You don't want to overwater. You don't want to underwater. And so one of the things you can do is you can st- install moisture meters. And there's various kinds very at various levels of tech. And there's basic ones. It's just like a basic digital uh, meter. You stick in the wa- into the ground and it will tell you the, the, the moisture content of the soil there. Um, and different plants need different amounts of water uh, on a regular basis. And so you would learn that from one of the guides or the app. Um, but you can also get a, you know, obviously, as, as we're talking here, sort of a smart moisture sensor meter. And there's this one from this company called EcoWit. And it comes with a couple different p- uh, pieces. There's a soil moisture sensor. And then you can connect it to one of their other pieces, uh, which is uh, a basically a um, hub. This they call this one. I'm going to link to in the notes is the weather station sensor. So they sell other stations for, you know, sensing the weather, temperature, and that sort of humidity and that sort of stuff. But anyway, and then it connects to an app on your phone, and so you can monitor this stuff from your home, you know, from inside or from your way at work or whatever, and turn on this, turn on the sprinklers remotely <laughs> to water your garden or what have you. So um, there's a couple of different ones, and they're not that expensive. I mean, the the soil moisture tester. Sensor itself is, I think, uh, twenty something bucks, and then the the uh, what is it? The weather station, the base, the hub is itself thirty three dollars. So not super expensive. As these things can get really expensive, but uh, yeah. so it's interesting. But uh, Victor, you had something where you think you could do uh, you could do it yourself. Yeah, you could do it yourself for around five or six dollars. And this is actually a really good because it's one of the first projects that I did when I first started looking at Arduino, you know, microcontrollers um, and that sort of thing is 
uh, getting yourself an, an Arduino, uh, you know, development board, or, um, you know, they make very small ones that actually connect to your Wi-Fi, um, you know, and the boards themselves, depending on where you get them, are like, you know, $3. Um, you can get a, a capacitive soil mo- moisture sensor. You know, you can get a pack of six of them for, you know, $11. So, um, and then basically it's it's just connecting I think three or four wires, you know, plugging it into a USB, you know, battery or, or a USB phone adapter. Um, so this would be more for for indoor plants. Um, but it's a fun little project. You just Google, you can Google soil, you know, Arduino soil moisture sensor, and you'll get lots of, um, you know, the code and, and what people have done. And it's 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 just a really fun intro project to to using microcontrollers. And, you know, well, how do I know if my soil is is too dry? Well, you can you know, add a little code to have a little LED light light up red if it gets too dry or even hook up a little screen for a readout. Um, or or if you have it Wi-Fi enabled, you know, have a you, there's phone apps that can connect to these, you know, that, that are free that you can just kind of read the the values coming off the pin and stuff and set up alerts. So it, it's just a lot of fun. Um, you know, I, the, the project I was going to do was going to be create an automatic watering system, and I never really took it uh, that far. I, I had the equipment and stuff. I just never, um, I did, I was concerned that it would, it would leak or, or something, you know, <laughs> uh, if, right. if it started, if it got stuck in the on position, but as little sensors and stuff, and, you know, you, with one board, you can hook up multiple sensors, you can hook up temperature and, you know, humidity, humidity sensors, and, you know, basically create cool. your own little weather station for, uh, under $20. During um around March of 2020 with COVID, I um dove headfirst into Arduinos. Um, so be careful if you dive in; it's hard <laughs> yeah. to get out. <laughs> it's yeah, I, it's be, actually be a great thing for like if you get a kid who's just getting started in this sort of stuff. A great introduction to using microcontrollers and doing some of this this easy kit programming that that's the thing that you know a lot of your um junior high and high school robotics clubs um Mm -hmm. this is the things that they're using to do that great i'm gonna set my 13 year old on it uh and then uh victor i know you are big into 3d printing i bet 3d printing is useful yeah, this is a, another hobby that you have to be careful with because it can quickly <laughs> consume your life. But it's I, I justify it by, you know, it's it's for the kids. Our 10 year old, um, he he basically sits there on Tinkercad and designs his own models. And that wasn't enough for them. He had to get the slicer program that actually like, you know, generates the code that you give to the printer. And so now he's doing that and manipulating the code that goes to the printer that tells it what to do. So it's just something very satisfying about seeing something that you create, you know, in a web page, suddenly you're able to hold it. Um, that's that's well, suddenly it takes it takes hours uh, but <laughs> to print it. Yeah. But provided you have the time, there are a number of projects um, on any of the, you know, Thingiverse, um, you know, all, all these different free sites where you download the uh, the files that you can print. But there's the hydroponics, um, perhaps unsurprisingly, uh you know, a lot of different uh, things there, you know, everything from from the trays to the to the pots to basically like the complex, uh, you know, valves and, and watering systems and venturi things that you would need to hook up to your your hoses to, you know, have a good hydroponic system. Nothing I've explored yet, but um, I was uh, encouraged by just how much was available for free. And so you don't need to spend, you know, hundreds of dollars on, you know, 
pieces of plastic to to you know basically run your hydroponics thing you can you know buy a roll of filament and start to to make it yourself and have everything just just the way you want it so maybe that's something i'll get into <laughs> in all my <laughs> free time here if you can't find it on the universe i bet you could ask chat gpt to design the file for <laughs> oh, you I, that's that'll be exciting yeah Yes, that'll be interesting when it's starting to design 3D printing models. Uh, ghost guns from ChatGPT. As long as it's not designing the bridges I'm draw- driving over, yeah. that's where my limit is. Why are you telling my 3D printer to print replicators from, from Stargate? <laughs> it's all over now. All right, so that's, you know, a bunch of gardening tech. We'll have links to everything in our show notes. Um and there's so much more. I mean, we could go on and on, but we'll we'll come back to this topic because it's a great topic. If you've got specific questions about gar- tech for gardening and, and gardening, that sort of thing, it's, this isn't a gardening show, though maybe we should start one if there's enough interest. But <laughs> the if you got tech gardening questions, feel free to send them in to mysterious at sqpn.com. So before we move on, I want to uh, take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of technology, including Jeff H., Chris N., Joseph B., Brian W., and Dustin B. Their generous tax-deductible donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of technology and all the shows at StarQuest. And you can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. We have a bunch of headlines we want to talk about. And first one up, Father, I think this is up your alley because you you work with high school kids, especially. And I I want to get your opinion on this one. The headline is experts warn that app where you can only say nice things could have dark consequences. And it's this new app. It's a new social network for kids. Um, It's aimed at kids called Gas. I'm sure there's some reason that only the kids know that it's called called gas. And it's probably an in joke that old people don't know about. But anyway, the it's aimed at uh, middle to high school students, and it it's an it's supposed to be anonymous, a place where kids can anonymously post only kind things about one another, voting on things like who has a great smile and who has made positive changes this year, which sounds nice. But the expert warns, well, this is another way to get kids neurotic and anxious and, you know, depressed about what other people think of them. What do you think? Is this intrinsically problematic? I'm just thinking of um, on basic social interaction things. Um, A junior high girl says to another junior high girl, Jenny, those are really nice shoes. That can mean so many different things. Um, when she says that, um, and so when I say something positive as a junior high girl, um, in the context of a larger conversation, it can be, it can be anything. It, it yeah. can be disguised bullying, right? right? So me telling Jenny that she has really nice shoes is really telling Jenny that she's a poor girl who can't afford any nice clothes, right? Right. Um, and so this that's the first thing that comes to mind is that um, there's an ignorance in thinking that um, and only allowing kids to say nice things. They're only going to say nice things. Right. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you, you can be passive aggressive. You can 
you know, neg people or whatever. But the other, uh, you know, it, you're still at the end of the day, like, oh, their nice smile got 500 votes and my nice smile got three votes. And, you know, one right. of those was from my mom or whatever, <laughs> you know, and it, yeah, it's, it's meet the new app, same as the old app. Right. I mean, you're still, you still have that, that envy and that, you know, comp- spirit of competition. You're, com- you know, competing with your peers for, Comparisons. Nice, yeah, comparisons yeah. And, and stuff. So it, it, and the fact that it costs like, you know, $520 a year just to yeah. see who is who's liking your stuff. I know they have a $10 yeah. a week paid tier. Wow. That yeah. is larceny. That is awful for the God mode, they call it, uh, allowing them to see who their secret admirers might be or who's saying who's saying things about them, which removes the whole anonymity aspect of it this is this is narcissism i mean yes it's and remember this is how facebook started out that Mm -hmm. you just had likes that facebook added all those reactions later because they felt it wasn't enough for people just to like things um and so that's how it started out remember that um twitter's kind of still doing the same thing that you right. can only like a tweet. Um, so there's nothing new under the sun. But Yeah. What I want to point out something I read in the uh, Pillar Catholic today, uh, which was uh, they quoted the study of the CDC, conducted research by the CDC. 57% of teenage girls said they felt persistent sadness in 2021. A 50, 60% increase since, I think they said, well, I think the numbers, the dates are off. Um, they felt persistent sadness in 2022, a 60% increase since 2021. 30% of teenage girls said they have seriously considered committing suicide, and almost 13% said they attempted it. Boys are struggling too, the research found, but depression rates were found to be twice as high among girls as among boys. And I'm, and, my, and now I'm going to say, and I'm telling you, it's social networks is not the only reason, but they're a huge re- part of this whole reason. Yes. And, and that they're a serious problem. They're a problem for adults, but they're a bigger problem even for kids. So recently, um, over the last few years in most of the schools that I've worked in, um, we moved to disallowing cell phone use during the school day. Um, And the reaction from the kids began first of like revolting, right? Right. This is a prison. We're so mad at you. Um, And then after a few months, when you talked with them in honesty about it, there was this freedom that they felt during school that they were not constantly just being thrown into all of this. Um, And so they recognize that Um, now they don't recognize it to the amount that they, um, that they should, (laughs) that they should, that they die right into their phones after they get back from school. But I mean, these stats that they put, um, don't They're, surprise me at all. Um, yeah. And I think on a non-technology um, soapbox here, it just brings the importance of having real conversations, um, of making a point if you have kids um, to sit down and have those conversations with them. How are you doing? Right. right. And not just like a, how are you doing? Right like a what's up thing, but having authentic and real conversations um, and letting them know um, 
that you care and that you're there for them. Um, and I've, yeah, seen way too much of this and it's important for us to be reaching right. out there. Exactly. Agreed. So our next headline is, this is interesting out of New Mexico. They, the, a lawmaker has proposed a bill, and this is just a proposal, so it doesn't mean it's going to be a law. But his proposal is that uh, starting July 2023, that's this year, every new home built, so only new homes, must be constructed with a solar power system and a plug for electric vehicles. Now, this is New Mexico. This, it's one of the sunshine states. This probably has, next to Arizona, the most sunshine uh, of any state in the U.S. So you may as well harvest it. Um, and they have really good net metering rules, which is the where you can sell your electricity back to the grid and all that kind of stuff. So in the end, it probably would work out for most homeowners. Like if you're building a new home, you'd probably it would probably add five, ten grand maybe to the cost of the home at most. Um, and, yeah. you know, with with the uh, the the various tax credits and that sort of thing. But, um, you know, they estimate five grand after the tax credits for most houses um, up to 9,000 without the tax credits. Um, I like the idea of, you know, I think in general, I like the idea of a a new home being built with chargers, you know, outlets so you could charge an electric car. I mean, that's sort of the future and being prepared for the future is is a pretty decent idea. I don't know about laws mandating it, though. What do you think? Yeah, because because housing, especially for first time buyers, is is so affordable already. <laughs> I mean, anybody who wants a home and adding and they say, oh, it'll only add like three to four, you know, after tax credits. Well, that's not, you know, you don't pay tax credits on a new home. Right. So that's, you know, it, it in once, you know, well, the, who's getting the tax credit? Is it yeah, the homeowner and, or the the builder? Yeah. The builder, and pretty soon that, that five grand is is 20 grand, you know, taxed, uh, you know, tacked on to the cost of a home. Um, and you know, why do you need, you know, EV chargers if you're not going to be able to afford <laughs> your own car anyways, right. um, in the future, you know, and, and car ownership, you know, becomes shared, right? I, I mean, it, yeah, man, mandating it. I mean, it's just going to add cost to new homes. We already have a problem with affordability of, of housing as, as it is. Um, you know, I don't know anything about this Senator or who, you know, you know, is lobbying him on this or what his connections to the industry might be. But this is the sort of thing where you would, you know, you know, follow, you know, a, a trail of money or something. And it, it doesn't, you know, mandating it is, is if you want solar panels on your home, you know, great, put solar panels on your home. If the government wants to subsidize that, great, take advantage of the tax credits. But to mandate it and raise the cost of something that is already out of the reach for many young families who are trying to you know, buy their first home. I don't, I don't know that this is a solution to that. Although it's, it's new construction. And I I mean, maybe there are some people who are first home buyers buying a new house. Uh, So that may make a little bit of a difference, but go go ahead, father. Yeah. I was just thinking, you know, with mandating never helps creativity Um, just from an educational standpoint. Right. Um, when I do something of the required project, right? Um, this is what you're going to be writing versus letting you choose the project that you're going to be doing and the quality of work that comes out of that when you do that in the educational aspect um, is remarkable. 
right? And so I hold the same. If the government's mandating um, innovation, innovation's not going to happen, right? right? Um, and so, yeah, I just, yeah. I don't like the idea of the government mandating innovation. <laughs> and should point out, by the way, that California already has a law requiring new construction to have solar based on various characteristics of the construction. So, um, you know, it, it's, it's not new, but yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I, 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 I'm in favor of, so I have solar panels on my roof. Uh, they've saved me money. Um, I, I like the idea of having, I mean, it's a 240 volt outlet in your garage. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, you may want to have one there anyway, you know, so, but the idea of just of mandating it, yeah, I agree. I think maybe that might be a step too far to, to, to require every new house to have it. it. I mean, maybe even to have it, municipalities do the zoning for that or something, but mm -hmm. just to mandate it at a state level seems excessive. Uh, all right. So uh, another headline is the Instagram's co-founders are mounting a comeback with their new, uh, a new app that they're developing. It's TikTok for text is how they, they phrase it because everyone's going to be, you know, TikTok for something or other. So uh, it's called Artifact. And what it does is it lets you, it creates a personalized news feed that uses machine learning, AI, to understand your interests and show you more of the sorts of things that you like. What could go wrong with that, guys? What would be wrong yeah. with that? <laughs> oh, boy, more curated news. That's the great way to get a variety of perspectives and news delivered to you. <laughs> yeah, let's just have the uh, the people behind this app and this AI tell me what to read. And no, I mean, it's it. Yeah, it's it's the same problem. And, you know, don't we already have RSS, you know, feed readers? I mean, right. where you can if you like something, you can subscribe and read more of it. You know, this just seems more of like it's it's trying to pre-program what you consume. Right. What the world needs now is another social network. Right. Well, around based around news. Well, the Twitter seems to be, you know, going another direction. So who knows? But, but you've already got things like Apple News and other things which are already curated news sources. Like, I don't understand what's new about this, except maybe it's it's got the uh, infinite scroll aspect to it designed to keep you glued to it. Uh, you know, like like Instagram does, um, or TikTok or whatever. I don't know. I I think it's a bad idea to create silos and you know to limit your circle of information. And the other thing is, is these sorts of algorithms. Not only is it do they keep feeding you the same, like more of your limited perspective information. These algorithms punish you for curiosity. Uh, yeah. One of the things I, I dislike about, you know, whether it's TikTok or YouTube shorts or Instagram reels or whatever, you know, it's like, oh, that's interesting. I'm going to watch that. Uh, I don't I don't really care about this subject in general, but this particular video is interesting. And now I'm going to get a steady diet of whatever this thing is <laughs> exactly, yeah. until I can convince the algorithm to show me no more of this somehow. Um, you know, like, oh, uh, you know, line dancing. Oh, that guy looks funny in that video. Now I'm going to get a constant diet of line dancing videos from YouTube or whatever. Uh, and, and which then makes me hesitant to actually watch new things mm -hmm. because it punishes me for curiosity. So that's uh, my little rant about it. So and that would be the same way with an app like this. All right, uh, we're running long, so let's move on to our uh, picks of the week, and we'll get uh, get right to your pick first, Victor. What's your pick this week? Yeah, so this, I, you know, we we lost our power here, and um, 
you know, when the power goes out, you kind of identify your critical, you know, failure points, uh, you know, and, and one of them was not that I didn't have a shortwave radio, but I mean, come on, it ha- it's, it's fun <laughs> to have a shortwave radio, right? You're going to, you got to listen to your numbers stations, which you can learn more oh, yeah. about on Jimmy Egan's Mysterious World. But, and so I found this, this little guy, it's, it's um smaller than, I want to say smaller than a pack of cigarettes, but nobody knows how big that is anymore. <laughs> it's about as large as like an original iPod, but, but thicker in it. It does AM, FM, weather band, shortwave, radio band. Um, it, it's a really cute little radio, and the speaker is surprisingly powerful for it, um, for its size. Uh, you know, has a nice big antenna, and, and actually comes with a wire antenna as well that you can clip to it and get even more range out of it. So, you know, if, if there was a, a power outage situation, you could at least get some some news uh, from it. You can also put uh, micro SD cards in it and put podcasts on those, so you can actually. Uh, carry around your favorite StarQuest podcast on it but it's about it's about $50 and it's it's really actually pretty powerful for um for that so you know if you want to have a a short little uh, you know tiny little radio that you can carry around in your pocket and um you know listen to all sorts of weird weird things uh you can you can pick that up that's pretty that's cool my my um my dad is a shortwave radio collector he's got his radio shack one from way back when um the one i got him was um c crane radios and um kind of the same size as that one of a mini one but then also there's a crank one that oh, nice. yeah. um that recharges the battery with crank and there's also a solar panel on it so you can um get enough battery power to um get the weather radio working um in emergencies and so pretty uh, those always intrigued me. Yeah, this is, uh, I didn't mention, it's it's Raddy brand, R-A-D-D-Y, the RF-75A. I think it's pretty new. It charges with a USB-C cable, so it does have its own battery, so you would need to charge it, not swap AAAs into it. But it also has a flashlight and like a really loud siren on it as well. So if you happen to be carrying this and fell into a, a well, you could turn on the siren and, <laughs> someone might, and use the flashlight to see if there was like a bucket you could pull yourself up on or something. And- deafen yourself in the well yeah uh, <laughs> yeah i noticed also that it uh it has bluetooth connectivity so you can control it with your phone yeah yeah the the app was a little i haven't downloaded the app because like the method method for downloading at least the android app was a little was a little suspicious but you can program <laughs> in stations via your phone um nice. via, via an app um that's the that seems to be the limit of the bluetooth connectivity it's, it doesn't act as a bluetooth speaker from what i can tell but Okay. For the size and, and the price, you know, it's 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 a cute little thing to, right. to have around. And uh receiver only, not transceiver, yeah. right? Yeah. Okay. Yes, yeah, it doesn't broadcast. Okay. Cool. As far as I know, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because you need a license for, for that, I would yeah. think. Yeah. Excellent. So Father, what's your pick this week? Okay. My pick this week um is the Yalink MP fifty USB phone. Um, and how this guy works is um, it integrates with Microsoft Teams or if you're using another um, conferencing software, um, integrates with that well. Um, basically, it's a fancy microphone and um, headset um, and speaker. Actually, the speaker um, works well enough that I usually use it as my regular computer speaker um, as well. 
Um, but this allows me, um, we've recently moved all of our phone system over to Microsoft Teams. Um, so all of our parish phones run through Microsoft Teams. Keep in mind, I have six parishes. Um, and so having all the numbers get to one number um, that can read my cell phone to um, is really nice. But the nice thing about this is that um, just integrating your phone and your computer into each other um, so that when I'm dialing phone numbers, I'm clicking on phone numbers um, from emails, which happens a lot. Right. Um, right. And it works right through my phone. I can pick up the headset or I have the um, dongle for um, the earpiece, um, but also it hooks up to the Bluetooth on my phone. So when my cell phone is in range, um, everything can be all tied together that my cell phone will actually read through my desk phone. And so uh, just to back up, so Microsoft Teams has VoIP capability where you could have, a, it has a phone numbers. You could exactly, go into yep. it. Okay. Mm. Excellent. Wow. That's, I didn't know that uh, Teams could do that. So you could have that be your phone system with Microsoft Teams, be your phone system for your parish or your business or what, or your home. Exactly. Yep. So that they are our phone system and then they give right on our contract with them. Each, each email address has a, actually has a private line number. Okay. Um, and so that will read me alone, but also um, your public line can have a prompt system, right? And so we're able to have that fancy big company system without the cost of having a big phone system in our business. Nice. Cool. It's amazing where we've come so far with these things. Excellent. So my pick this week is a handy little app that if you are an Apple Watch user who likes to listen to music and control it from your watch or listen to podcasts and control from your watch. Uh, this, this will, you'll, you'll like this. So it's called now watch for uh, now playing for Apple watch. And it's a little app that lets you, um, does a very little thing. It creates a little complication. Complications are the little, um, gadgets on your screen, on your, uh, watch screen, um, that let you, that, that do different things can interface with different apps. And so it creates a complication that when tapped brings up the now playing screen. And this is an important thing. Like you, when the, when the, I should back up when you're playing music through your phone that your Apple watch is connected to, you can control it from your watch. And there is a screen that's buried inside in an app on the, on the watch where it'll, you get play pause next, um, volume up and down and that sort of stuff. And that's really nice because, you know, sometimes my phone's on the other side of the room and I just want to pause it because I want to, you know, answer the door or something um, and or what have you. But, the, but if some, but a lot of times that screen will be buried and I don't want to dig for it in the, uh, in the, you know, in the controls in the, in the app list or whatever, the, the grid of apps that Apple created for the, the watch. So you can create a complication that goes right on the on the screen and does the very simple, very one thing with you tap it. It brings up the interface and you can now interact with your sound. And so um, all that to say, it is a it is a very small little program that's free and does one thing and does it well. And that's something I really love is to find something that 
that's very useful and free and does it well and doesn't do much else than that. So um, now playing plus for Apple Watch. I'm not sure what the plus part is, but apparently there's something plus <laughs> about it. So uh, that does it for our picks this week. We would, And that does it for our show. We would love to hear what you thought of any part of our discussion this time. You can let us know by commenting on the show at sqpn.com slash technology or the StarQuest Facebook page at facebook.com slash starquestmedia or send an email to technology at sqpn.com or visit the StarQuest Discord community at sqpn.com slash discord. You'll find links from our discussion and our picks of the week on our show notes at starquest.fm slash tec202, tech202. Remember to like our episodes of Secrets of Tech where you find them on Facebook, retweet them on Twitter, leave us comments. We love to hear from you wherever you leave your comments. We'd like to thank James for research assistance in this episode. And until next time, Victor Lambs, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of technology. Thanks, Tom. Father Joseph Sun, thank you as well. Thank you. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to the Secrets of Technology on StarQuest. <laughs>